Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate that. Great to be here this morning. Thanks, Dan. Brought my own chair. Heard they're not very comfortable in Belmont, so I'll bring my own chair. No, that's not true. That'll make sense later. Um, it'll make more sense later. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. I uh, appreciate Andrew. Uh, thank you for sharing and leading us in communion this morning. And I thought that was a great picture. Uh, communion as an invitation to rest, an invitation to recline at the table with Jesus. What a good picture. Anyone need to do that this morning? Just feel like you just need to recline with Jesus um, and uh, just take some time to do that. I hope on Sunday mornings that in the midst of all the busyness, that you do get rest, that you do find time, just take a breather and be in the presence of the Lord and enjoy that time together. And hopefully this morning will serve in that way as well. Uh, to that end, uh, would you pull out that piece of paper that you got on the way in this morning? That, uh, and if you didn't get one, uh, just raise your hand and I'm going to, in faith, trust that someone will make sure you get one. Uh, Andrew's heading back to get some right now. Um, this is what you think it is. This is a schedule of your week. This is a schedule. This is a blank schedule of the week to come. And I am going to give you what may be the most valuable thing I give you this entire message, though I hope not. Uh, I am going to give you some time. I'm going to give you about three to four minutes. And I want you to sketch into these blocks what does your upcoming week look like? So it starts at 5 a.m. If your day starts before that, I'm sorry. Um, and I'll pray for you, but it may. Uh, but starting at 5 a.m., going down to the end of the day, what does your week look like? There's a pen in the chair in front of you. Uh, try and find something to write on if you need to use a Bible there you can lean on. You can use that. But take three to four minutes what does your week look like? All of us have a week. Maybe you have a lot of open blocks. Maybe you got a lot of filled blocks. Maybe you got to pull out your phone, open up your calendar app, and take a look. Uh, maybe you were hoping not to think about this until tonight. Yeah, I see some heads nodding. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to do it right now. So take a few minutes. I'm going to do it with you. So let's do that now. I wish I had some music. Sorry, I did not plan for that. Garris might have some music back there to play.
Uh, take 30 more seconds. Do that. Right. Let's. Uh, hopefully, you had enough time there. Some of you are still writing. You have got busy weeks ahead of you. Anyone stressed? This is this stressful for anyone? Do this. You're like, I don't want to think about this. Uh, we're going to come back to that in a few moments. I hopefully that didn't stress you out. We'll come back to that in a few moments. Just set that aside for a moment, and we'll come back to that. We're finishing up our series, as Andrew mentioned this morning, and um, four weeks on Sabbath. After the first week of preaching this in Burlington, I had a guy come up to me on the way out the door, and he's like, you're preaching four weeks on Sabbath? He's like, I've never heard anyone do that before. He's like, usually I hear a one-week sermon, and then they move on. And I was all confident. I was like, yeah, we're doing four weeks. And I'm like, by the end of it, I was like, oh, no, I hope by the end of it I don't regret this, uh, doing four weeks. And I don't regret it, but I do know why people preach one week on Sabbath (laughs) at times. Because by the time you get three and four weeks in, you start dealing with issues Um, that are more complex and harder when it comes to Sabbath uh, and dealing with it. And sometimes, um, maybe it has been a little confusing for you. Maybe Maybe you've been a little confused as we've gone through these weeks. I mean, in one sense, we've said keeping Sabbath is a command, but then we've also said Sabbath is a gift. And that maybe sounds a little confusing. In one sense, we've said, look, there's no need to follow the dogmatic rules of that were being followed by the religious leaders in Jesus' time. And it's okay if you don't keep a, a, a Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. You don't have to follow that rule. And yet, we've said it's important to keep some time in the week that you set aside. And the principle of one day in seven and resting in that is a good biblical principle to have, that you should have one day in your re- week to rest. And on that one day, we've often said that you should uh, come to church and get all your family ready early in the morning and come out and volunteer and be a part of what we're doing. And maybe that doesn't, maybe that feels like the least restful day in your week. And so this can feel a little bit of, uh, a little bit of tension, a little bit difficult to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? What don't I have to do? Um, And so I want to take this last week in our series and just kind of summarize some things, talk about a couple things we've already talked about, and then add one thing new this morning as we look at uh, the purpose and the grounding of Sabbath and rest in our life. As I was thinking about the image this week, just to kind of bring us back together on one page, remind a, a picture of this, I was reminded of road trips when I was a kid. Um... I didn't, my family, maybe your family is different. My family didn't, when we went places, we didn't take planes places. Uh, I didn't take my first plane ride until I was in college, and my parents bought me a plane ticket to come home for Christmas. Um, That was my first plane trip. Other than that, as kids, we drove everywhere. Uh, We drove all around New England. We drove to Pennsylvania, to Hershey, and to New York, and uh, down to Florida, Like, we were driving. We weren't flying. 
Um, and so there were some things on there that were, that were uh, hard, but there were some things that were interesting and fun. One of the things I always looked forward to when we were on a drive was rest stops. And those of you that have been on long drives, maybe as a kid, you remember the rest stop, right? And this rest stop was this magical place where you stopped in the middle of the night, it was still bright and everything was open. And as a kid, it was this magical place because you could pick up a thousand brochures. You know, I re you remember, you know, picking up all these maps and things, right? Maybe your kids do this. I go in, I'm like, these are all free. And I would just take one of everything, right? Take it back. But the rest stop, right? It's this place where along your journey, you know, when everything else might be closed at the middle of the night, there are these places that are open where you can refuel, you can uh, get some food, maybe some coffee, stretch your legs, use the restroom, uh, just take a walk, take a nap, just find a map. A lot of these rest stops, one of my favorite things to do is they have these maps, right? They usually have it behind a piece of glass or plastic, and it would have the whole state, and then you would look, and it would say, you are here right? And you'd have to look and you say, where, where are we on the journey? Like, where did we come from and where are we going and how far and how long is it going to take there? The rest stop was an important thing. And I thought, you know what? That's a little bit, that's a good image, I think, for Sabbath for us. It's a good image to, for us to keep in mind as we're talking, why would God create this? One of the reasons is, is similar, so that you would have a regular time in your week and on your journey, to stop, to refuel, to rest, to get what you need for the rest of the journey, to get a picture of, okay, where am I? <laughs> kind of where have I come from? Where are we going? Let me get some perspective. And God said, one day in seven, I want you to stop. I want you to take a rest stop. And I want you to rest. And I want you to be able to take a break from your work before you continue on in the journey. One of the interesting things about rest stops is you have no control about where they show up. I mean, you hope somebody put them in a convenient place, but you didn't have a choice in that, right? And so sometimes you might be getting to the place, you're like, where is there a rest stop? Like you're watching your fuel gauge, and you're like, oh, please, one show up soon. You know, you're hoping, oh, how many extra gallons did they actually build in when the light comes on? And you're wondering, you know, oh, they must have, like, expected that people would drive past the low fuel light coming on. And, uh, and you're, like, looking, or maybe you're just tired, or maybe your bladder is ready for a rest stop. And you're like, please, let there be a rest stop. And sometimes you're just hoping that one shows up. And sometimes Sabbath, I think, is like that. You get in the middle of your week and you're like, when is Sunday? Or when is my day of rest? When do I get a break? When can I stop? When can I refuel? Like you're just looking forward to that day of stopping and resting. And God built that in. Sometimes you're going and you're thinking, you know what? I got half a tank of gas. I'm feeling good. I'm awake. Like, I don't feel like I need to stop. And if I stop, all those cars that I just passed are going to pass me. And, like, I'm going to be behind them now. And I just worked so hard to pass them. And you don't need, you think, I don't need a rest stop. But then you see that sign that says, last rest stop for 200 miles. And if you've never seen a sign like that, it's because you have never left New England. 
because in New England, I get it. They're like every 50 feet or you can stop. But when you get out west or you get out in the southwest and you are, it's easily, they can be like 200 miles before the next time you're going to get to refuel. And you might be like, I don't need to stop right now, but if I don't stop, there's a good chance in the next 200 miles I will have needed fuel or to use the restroom or to just restock or pay, whatever it is. And so you stop. Sometimes life feels like that. I can blow through Sunday. You know what? I can get some work done today. You know what? I, could, I, I got plenty of things to do. I can, I can keep going. I, I'm feeling good. And you could do that. But later on down the road, or the next week, or in the week after, you start to feel that you didn't stop for rest. I love the way the Jewish people often think of Sabbath, and they talk about Sabbath arriving. It's like the arrival of Sabbath. Like it's coming whether you want it or not, whether you're ready for it or not. Sabbath arrives. And you may not have finished everything you had to do. In fact, you haven't. Because none of us finish everything we have to do. And that's part of the point. Part of the point is, I'm going to stop anyway. I could get more done. I didn't fin do everything I wanted to do. But it's time to rest, and I'm going to stop anyway. And that's a little bit what we're talking about. And that's like what, the, what that rest stop is. I'm going to stop anyway. So last night was... Uh, or the night before, my, my Sabbath rest, it's uh, Sunday, I get some rest, but it's, you know, you get it, it's difficult, right? Um, it's a little bit of a work day for those of us that are in church ministry. Um, so my Sabbath I've tried to keep is usually uh, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And, and that's just, this just kind of works for me because it's the end of my week and I can always have Saturday night to start ramping up for Sunday morning and and, but this week, I had a lot to do. I, I didn't feel like the message was where it was supposed to be. I have some things to get ready for the meeting Andrew just mentioned on Tuesday and just built up that it's going to be such a great meeting. And I feel like I've got more to do to get ready for that meeting. And, and we've got something else coming up for next Sunday's church that I, that I want to work on. Um, and I'm like, I've got a lot to do. Well, Friday night arrived, but I had a choice. Would I stop? Or would I just blow through that rest stop and just keep working? And so I chose to stop. And, uh, you know, not saying I always do that, but I chose to stop. And Wendy and I went to dinner and we spent, and Saturday we just, I just stepped away from all this until, I will tell you this. I literally asked Siri on Saturday. I was out for a walk. And my words, I hope this doesn't activate. I, I said, hey, Siri, what time is sundown Saturday? Um, because I was like, I need to get back to this stuff. And I want to keep my commitment to rest. It's kind of like that. That you'll stop anyway. That you stop anyway. You set aside time and you stop anyway. So we're looking at this idea of rest. And I said I'm going to give you two things we've talked about and one that's new today. So let me give you a little bit of a Venn diagram today. Um, uh, and, and we're going to look at it this way. Sabbath rest is found at the intersection of three types of rest. Sabbath rest is found at the intersection of three types of rest. And uh, so the first one we're going to look at is this. We've looked at this. It's, it's a little bit of a review for some of you who have been here. But the first one is creative rest. Sabbath rest is found at the intersection of creative rest. 
So, and by this, I mean not that you are being creative in your rest, though that's good, um, but that God rested from creation on day seven, and you rest from your work on that day that you set aside for rest, a rest from creating. And we see this in Genesis chapter two, of course, where it says God rested on the seventh day. We also see it in Exodus chapter 20 in the first time the, what we call the Ten Commandments are given. And the grounding for the fourth commandment, which is remember the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 20, is this. It says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, Exodus chapter 20. The first thing is creative rest. And what creative rest does is it says, I can stop from my creating. I can stop from my making. I can stop from that which makes money and and provides and does that. And I pull back and I stop and I trust that God is still at work. So I think all three of these rests are going to involve two components, trust and remembrance. So in creative rest, I stop my work and I trust that God is at work and I remember that he is the God who created the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them, every bird that I see flying, every flower I see growing, all the beauty I see around me, that God just merely by breathing it out in words, spoke it into existence and created it out of nothing. And so I can probably stop from my work and trust that he is still at work and provide for what I might be worried and concerned about. That I take a day for creative rest. That I take a day to rest from my work and remember that he is still the God of creation. In this Sabbath circle, I am invited to rest from my toil and work and trust that God is always at work. Remembering he is really all I need and the one I seek And I bear his image. And I was made in that image not only to work, but also to rest from my work. That this is an aspect of being image bearers of God. That God created you not simply to work. He could have made you that way. He could have made you that you would work and have no rest. But he said, in making these humans in my image, I will make them to rest as I rest. And so creative rest is the first circle. The second circle I'm going to call redemptive rest. Redemptive rest. And the rest uh, from deliverance or redemption. So the second giving of the Ten Commandments is found in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And when the covenant is renewed by Moses, uh, it's almost word for word the same, except for the grounding of the fourth commandment where it was first grounded in creation. The second time the Ten Commandments or the covenant is renewed or given by Moses, reminding a new generation of people that didn't just walk through the Red Sea, but is about to walk across the Jordan River, uh, reminding them Sabbath is grounded in something different. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. 
All nine of the other commandments, word for word, pretty much the same as Exodus 20, except for the Sabbath. Sabbath commandment is now grounded in deliverance, is now grounded in remembering God delivered you. You know, it's, it's been a few years since you came out of Egypt and you crossed the Red Sea, but remember that you didn't come out by your own hand. You didn't come out by your own strength. You didn't just walk out of Egypt because you wanted to and you decided to. You didn't just leave the most powerful nation on earth at the moment and you had no weapons and you had nothing at your disposal except your God and you walked out not only walking away from them but with their riches. You didn't just do that because you wanted to. You did that because God, with his outstretched hand, delivered you. And he brought you out. And so one of the things of redemptive rest is you remember that God delivered you. That God does the deliverance and the most important deliverance work in your life. Not out of Egypt for you and for me, but out of a life being caught enslaved to sin. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Creation and redemption, creation and deliverance are two of the biggest themes you see all throughout God's story. And when Andrew's talking about the Wednesday night class that we're going to go through from Genesis to Malachi and then next year will be the New Testament, you're going to see these themes, creation and redemption. God is always hearkening back to I am the God who created you and I am the God who delivered you. It's always a reminder, I am the God who delivered you. And one of the things we do on Sabbath day, one of the things we do on rest is we remember, I do not deliver myself by my own hand. It's not my own effort. It's not what I've done. It's what God's done for me. It's what Jesus has done. That it's redemptive rest. So you say, well, how, what, what am I resting from that day? One is you're remembering you were redeemed by God. But two, how much of your week is spent trying to make yourself look good? How much of your week is spent trying to put your best face forward before other people? How much of your week is spent trying to hold it together in front of other people? And redemptive rest, I think one of the things that reminds us is, you know what? It's not my effort that really matters. It's not what I can do. It's not how I look in front of other people that's most important. It's what God has done for me. It's what God has delivered me from that is most important in my life. That I can rest. I can rest. I mean, I can rest from the work of self-image management. I can rest from the work of trying to look like I've got it all hold, held together all the time. And there's other issues involved with that, you know, the, the false self and imposter self. I'm not getting into that this morning. I'm just saying at least... On that one day a week, you ought to say, that's not really what it's all about. It's not really all about that. It's not really all about looking good. I need to come before God and bear my soul and bear myself and say, God, you and you alone are what makes a difference in my life. You and you alone have redeemed me. Uh, this is redemptive rest. Um, and, there's, and we follow this day, and in this Sabbath circle, I am invited to rest 
from the pressure of improving myself, making myself better, self-sanctification, remembering God as my deliverer and my savior, and apart from his work of redemption, all my efforts are fruitless. I remember this every day, but if I don't take one day in seven to make sure I don't forget it, it becomes easy to forget. And I start thinking it's my effort that's important. So I take one day in seven to make sure I remember God is my redeemer. God is the one who set me free. And the one I'll add to it today, creation rest and redemptive rest are two we've talked about to this point. The third one I'm going to add to it today is hopeful rest. Hopeful rest. Creative rest, redemptive rest, and hopeful rest. And the passage I want to look at for that is Hebrews chapter 4. It's the last reference to the word Sabbath in the scriptures uh, chronologically. Um, and Hebrews chapter 4 mentions the word Sabbath, and it says this. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. We can go back to that Venn diagram, Mike, just put that up for a minute before I go to that last slide. Um, so hopeful rest. This passage is talking about Sabbath a little differently than we've been talking about it as one day of rest. This passage is looking at Sabbath and the rest that God promised his people when they come into the promised land more as a, a typology or a symbol or an image of a rest that still remains, a rest that's still to come. It says there's still a rest that remains. In other words, one that has not yet arrived, but will remain forever. This is the rest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about, that for the people of God, there's a rest that you look forward to that is beyond one day in seven, that is beyond typically stopping your work for a short amount of time. There's a rest in God's presence that you can look forward to and that you ought to hold on to and that we ought to hang on to on this day to know that where we're going. It's the rest that the writer of Hebrews later talks about when he said that uh, those that came before Jesus were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. That we're looking forward to that. It's the rest that the writer of John in Revelation says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things passed away. Writer of Hebrews says, there's a rest that remains. You haven't yet seen it, but you're hoping for it, you're trusting in it, and you should, uses this word, strive for it. Looking forward to it, you're straining towards it. This rocking chair that I have up here this morning, um, I didn't buy it, in fact, uh, and I didn't build it, but it was built by my father-in-law, Daryl. 
who after he retired got into woodworking a little and one of my he used to make uh, game boards and little toy cars for my kids but this rocking chair is probably my favorite thing he made mostly because it's the one I use the most uh, when I go over to his house to talk this is where I usually sit um, he made this uh, rocking chair and it sits in his house Daryl is uh, a part of our online congregation. He and my mother-in-law, Norma, are not physically able to worship with us on Sunday mornings, but they watch, and I'm sure he's watching right now. Uh, they watch both Burlington and Belmont every Sunday morning. Um, and he made this rocking chair. And uh, I don't know all that goes into making a rocking chair, but I know how not to make a rocking chair. I know what you don't do in making a rocking chair is sit down one day and say, I'm going to make a rocking chair. And then you start working from that moment until the rocking chair is finished and you don't stop. I know that's not how you make a rocking chair because if you do that, the ro it won't be a very good rocking chair because by the rocking chairs take hours and hours and hours and days to make. At least I would imagine they do. And so if I were to say, I'm just going to start right now and not stop until it's done, I would soon lose my way, I would get tired, I would start making mistakes, I would, I would do all those things that you do when you try and work 24 hours or 36 hours or 48 hours without a rest. You start losing focus. You start. So the only way you're going to make a rocking chair, and the way Daryl made this rocking chair, is by doing part of it and then stopping and then coming back to it. And Sabbath is a little bit like that picture where you have a job to do that God has given you, but the way that God has given you to do it, he said, I want you to stop and rest one day in seven. I want you to stop and rest one day in seven because the work I gave you, it's important that you stop to rest in the midst of the work. Now, of course, when Daryl was making the rocking chair, what he was really looking forward to is the day when he could do this and just sit down in the rocking chair, right? And I think this third circle of hopeful rest, that was the picture I want to leave you with. Because you're working, and you've got work to do, and it's important work to do that God has given you. And you've got rests in the midst of it, but one of the purpose of your one day in seven rest is to remember that there is a hopeful rest I am looking forward to where you sit down. <laughs> You're in God's presence for eternity. Having that picture that John described in Revelation and you're resting in his presence. And so it's not just rest from our creativity. Our, it's not just creative rest. It's not just redemptive rest. There's a hopeful rest. Sabbath is a day in your week when you rest from your striving and strive to rest in Jesus Christ. What does that look like for you? This last Venn diagram kind of shows, we put, if we put Christ's cross at the center of this, where all those circles meet, this is where we really, truly find our rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Matthew records these words of Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At the center of these diagrams, <laughs> the center of this is Christ. It's all about Jesus. And in Jesus, we find the permission, the freedom, and the ability to rest in God's presence as we recognize that God is the creator, that he is our deliverer. And there's a rest we are looking forward to one day that remains for us who continue to follow him and strive and look forward to that day of rest. So as we close this series, the question still might be, but do I have to do it? Do I have to do it? I can give you the typical quick pastor answer, which is always, no, you get to do it. And there's a lot of truth to that. But let me put it to you this way as I thought about that this week. Um, in this passage to the Hebrews, if I read a few more verses, you would read about the idea that we are all have to give an account to God one day. And I thought about it this way. I said, do you really think in that moment when you're giving an account, it's just you and God or me and God, that the Lord would look at you and say, you did what? You took a whole day of the week and spent it worshiping and fellowshipping with other believers, looking for ways to bless others, sharing with others, focusing on what I did for you and who I made you and thinking about the hope I promised you and that my son secured for you when you could have been out making more money? You really think God would ever say that? I don't think that's the way God would say it. I think God gave the gift of Sabbath, and I don't think he's ever taken it back. I don't think it's been revoked. And I think for you and I to take one day in Sabbath and to say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to focus on worshiping, being with people who are important around me, refocusing on what God has done for me, looking for ways to bless others and share with others to do good as Jesus did good on the Sabbath, that this would be a good way for us to spend one day in Sabbath. So take out your sheet of paper. Did you write Sabbath on there anywhere? Take a moment. I'm not, I didn't. But where are you going to find your chunk of time? I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. Where are you going to find your chunk of time? Where are you going to find your 24 hours? It doesn't have to be sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. I don't know if Pastor Brian talked about that last week, but at least if you came to Burlington, I set you free from that. You didn't have to do that. That's not, we're not tied or bound to that ceremonial part of the law, but I do think the principle of Sabbath, the gift of Sabbath, one day in seven that you would set aside, where would that chunk of time be? Some of you, you're in the medical profession, you're in places where you know what, you've got to work during those hours, maybe Saturday, Sunday, I get that. I think Sunday, you know, maybe it's sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday. That's typical time for Christians throughout the world, often called the Lord's Day. Uh, I think it's a time of 
Constantine when he kind of set that time aside and said that this will be a day where there'll be no work. But even prior to that, in the fourth century, Christians had set aside the day when Jesus was resurrected to recognize a time where Christians would focus on what God had done. And so Sundays, either Sunday morning to Sunday night or sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday, maybe that's your time. I say that because there is an aspect of community Sabbath that's healthy. And if we all say, you know what, Sunday's going to be a day, we're going to try and Sabbath, then maybe you can get lunch with someone that's here today or grab dinner tonight with someone or next week to say, you know what, we're setting this side aside, time aside to be together as community, to love one another, to care for one another, to remember what God has done for us so that we don't rush out right after service, but you take some time to go back to the fellowship hall and say, we're going to slow down. I'm going to stop anyway. I've got a lot to do, so do you. But we're going to stop anyway and remember what God has done. I'm going to let the team play for a few minutes, and I'm just going to give you some time to reflect And as we close out our service. Sabbath is a day that when you block out and you cease your striving, and you strive to rest in the work that's done by Jesus. Let me just, would you take a few minutes, just close your eyes for a moment and listen to some words of scripture, a little bit of a meditation as we close out, not just our service, but this series together. And I'll let the team play a little as I read. Lord, speak to us. Lord, help us to understand your heart, your love, and your grace available in this area of work and rest for us. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. verses is the compassionate invitation of your Savior. He calls you who are weary, burdened, and heavy laden, offering rest for your soul. This week you worked and labored. Take a moment to identify the things in your life that consume your thoughts and energy causing you to strive relentlessly and restlessly. Consider the weariness that often accompanies your life, the weight of responsibilities, the pressures of expectations, and the trials you face. Set these things aside today and set your heart and mind on the work of Jesus Christ. Rest in the truth that he created everything. The galaxies that stretch across the cosmos. The delicate balance of nature. 
All of this is the result of God's ceaseless labor of love. He sustains the universe, orchestrates the course of history, and he cares for you. Rest in the reality that he is your savior. You do not need to do anything to earn his love. All you must do is receive it. He forgives your sin. He restores your soul. He makes all things new. Rest in the fact that Jesus will come again to create a new heaven and a new earth. One day you will hear a voice saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Jesus invites you to find rest for your soul in him. It is an invitation to walk in his footsteps, to be close in communion with him. Lord, as we come to the close of this service and the close of this series, Lord, let it just be the start of a commitment in our lives toward resting in your presence ceasing and setting aside time in our week in a very way that may be very countercultural, very feel very out of step at times with the world around us and yet to stop anyway and to focus on the God who said I've created you not simply to work I've created you to enjoy the work that's been done I've created you to enjoy what it is what is good and very good about creation. To cease your striving in your work and to rest in my presence. To receive it not as a servant, but as a child of God. Lord, help us as a church to set aside time for you and for each other, not simply in 75 or 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, but to set aside a valuable chunk of our time to say this is for God and God's gift to me and to receive it. Not as a burden, but as a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and we'll close our service out in this final worship song today.